Welcome to the Urban Grace Weekly Podcast. Urban Grace is an inclusive ecumenical church in the heart of downtown Tacoma, Washington, that seeks to be a spiritual home for folks from all sorts of backgrounds. Come check us out Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the corner of 9th and Market. And of course, there are more details at urbangrace.org. Good morning. I'm Carla, and I'm going to read scripture today. For the scripture for today is from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first one is Old Testament Micah 6, 6 through 8. This is a favorite uh, one for me. What shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The second one is Matthew 25, 31 through 40. I'm not sure about the right-hand, left-hand thing on this one. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king answered them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these, you are members of my family, and you did it to me. That's scripture for today. Good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today. Go on to the next slide. So the day before my 17th birthday, I believe that my dad illustrated to me the ways of God's justice. Now I was, of course, running late to school, which was a common practice when I was 16. 
and I was rushing out of the house down to my parked car and the garage, and of course I threw the car in reverse, backed up quickly out the driveway, when suddenly I stopped as quickly as I began because I ran directly into my father's truck. I had done the wrong thing of neglecting to look in my rearview mirror. I had assumed that the driveway was empty, as it normally was to my credit, but what I didn't know was because I hadn't looked was that my dad had changed up his normal practices of parking and had parked in the driveway the evening before. Ugh. Of course, I burst into tears. I ran upstairs to admit my wrongdoings. I found my dad sitting at the ki kitchen table, waking up, drinking coffee. Dad, I just hit your truck with my car, I said, shaking and waiting for the fury to be unleashed. But to my surprise, he just put his arm around me and said, well, that's what insurance is for. Go to school. And that was it. I was forgiven not because I hadn't done anything wrong, but because my dad loved me, and he knew that I was more than that one mistake, and he was also kind of prepared for me to make that very mistake. So he knew he was prepared for it. And I also have one more image I want to show you of justice in my life today. This is my golden retriever who's named Justice. She is a goofy, happy girl that I believe points me daily towards God's love and helps me understand God's justice in the world. She's actually a trained therapy dog, and when we lived in New Orleans, she would go with my husband, who was a hospice chaplain, to visit hospice patients, which I also believe is very much a picture of God's justice in our world. But today, I'm here to talk to you about the spiritual practice of social justice. But before we discuss social justice as a spiritual practice, I want to take an in-depth look at this word, justice, and how it connects with the Bible, with Jesus, and our call as Christians. Because the reality is, is justice is a big word that has a long history in both the Bible and in our modern context. In the Old Testament alone, the word justice is used over 400 times. And 150 of those uses pairs the word justice with righteousness. Justice and righteousness are to be the foundation of God's kingdom. Now, righteousness is a big word that doesn't actually have as much meaning in our co modern context, but one scholar I came across said that whenever you see righteousness and justice together in Scripture, a more accurate translation of these two words together would be social justice. So the foundation of God's kingdom is social justice. In our Western and modern world, the word justice carries with it a lot of hidden meanings. It's a big word that is complex and tied to many beliefs and many political conundrums. In our modern context, we have this one word, justice, but one scholar noted that often it can be used in different categories. One category of justice is how to bring the greatest good to the most people and the least harm to the most people. Another would be how to bring the most freedom and liberty to all people. Or a third would be how to create a moral society that lives and acts in specific moral ways. Now, it's my hunch that a lot of political disagreements in our country are because people are holding to one of these different understandings of justice more than the other. So you can see how even though you're talking about the same word and the same virtue of justice, it can be viewed so differently 
And all of these different ways of thinking and different streams of how we in our world attempt to achieve justice or a just society can be complicated. We do this legislatively through creating laws, attempting to create just standards, and we also do this through a court system that we've named the justice system. But when using the word justice, one can also be describing retributive justice, which is if you've done something wrong, you have to pay the consequences for it. So I, for example, if I were to steal $5 from you, I would need to give that back plus some, right? That's retributive. However, there's also restorative justice, which is more about making people who are broken and a world that is broken whole again. And almost all, like 99% of the uses of the word justice in scripture is the Bible is calling for restorative justice, the making of us and our world whole again. So throughout the Bible, when justice is proclaimed, it is calling the reader to an extraordinary focus on caring for the vulnerable and working towards justice is the responsibility of those with voice, influence, power, and privilege to make the problems of the most vulnerable their own problems. And only when this occurs is justice enacted and does justice become incarnate in a community. And in the sixth chapter of Micah, we are told, God has told you what is good and what the Lord requires, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The context of this verse is that the prophet Micah is accusing the leaders of Israel of accumulating more resources and more land for their own benefit and taking away from those who are vulnerable in the community. It's kind of an ancient Israeli um, gerrymandering system going on. And Micah is telling them that God takes no part in this sort of action because it's unjust. One scholar states that typically throughout history, Lower classes are not only disproportionately vulnerable to injustice, but are also disproportionately victims of injustice as well. Because in human history, injustice is not equally distributed. And so the justice the Bible calls us to is about creating a beloved community that takes care of the most vulnerable. And the leaders should be leading the way to care of the most vulnerable in the community, and justice can only happen when also connected with mercy, love, compassion, and humility. And Micah is condemning the leaders of his day for lacking the virtues essential to justice. Which then brings us to our gospel reading today. In Matthew 25, Jesus is telling several parables of what the kingdom of God is like. But God's kingdom is a reversal of earthly values. The kingdom Jesus invites us into is the upside-down You gain honor by serving others. You forgive rather than getting revenge. You get true wealth by giving your wealth away. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the call to justice throughout the Old Testament. And in this parable, there is a judgment scene happening at the end of time, and the people before the judge are separated into sheep and goats. The sheep are judged worthy because they fed, clothed, and visited Jesus when he was in the hospital in the prisons, when he was hungry and thirsty. And then the goats are judged guilty because they did not do these things for Jesus. However, both groups are confused by the proclamation, saying, when did this happen? And Jesus says, if you did this for the least of these, you did it for me. And here Jesus is saying, don't look for me among the most dignified, the wealthy, or noble in your community. Rather, I am 
the vulnerable, the sick, the outcast, the incarcerated, and the condemned. There's a history of interpretation with this text to see Jesus' instruction here as an encouragement to bring Jesus to the vulnerable, or others see it as a morality checklist. Yep, did some good charity work, check, good to go, I'm looking like a sheep today. But there's a nuanced difference here that Jesus is saying, to find me in our world, you must look to the margins. Jesus self-identifies as the sick, the outcast, the incarcerated, and the condemned. So the spiritual practice of social justice is the work of looking for Jesus in our world and doing so by creating relationships with and social justice for those who are most vulnerable in our communities. And it is through this practice that we will experience transformation that only Christ can bring. The spiritual practice is more than just the actions of charity, but rather is the opening of our hearts to those who are most vulnerable. And then through relationships, using what privileges we have to make sure they are cared for. As was said this morning, I am new to the Tacoma area because I am the new pastor of Hagar's Community Church, which is a newly planted congregation at the Washington Correction Center for Women, often colloquially referred to as Purdy. My congregation is made up entirely of women who are incarcerated at the WCCW, and through this work, my life has been transformed. I have encountered Christ again and again through the women of Hagar's Community Church, and I have met Jesus in a prison just across the Narrows Bridge. We have named our church Hagar's because we know that we will always be a congregation of only women, and we thought it was important that a woman's story be at the forefront of our church. And Hagar is a woman who history has been pretty unkind to. She's often seen as the other woman, a woman who was mean to Abraham's wife, Sarah. She's called a foreigner, a slave, the unknown. Hagar is not often lifted up as a hero of our faith. But when you read her story, however, it becomes apparent that though history has been unkind, God is not. Rather, God finds Hagar in the wilderness and blesses her with the same blessing that God gives Abraham, that she will be the mother of a nation. God provides for her and cares for her, and Hagar is the first person in all of Scripture to name God. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And then we are a community church because, like Urban Grace, we are also an ecumenical church, so all are welcome, and we are striving to create fellowship and understanding among all who are a part of our worshiping community. We're attempting to cultivate trust and understanding in the midst of an environment where that is not often found. Um, We're not just doing a worship service where women come sit, hear a sermon, and go back, but rather we're trying to create an atmosphere of true Christian belonging and fellowship. And finally, we're a church because we are striving to create our own distinctive church that allows the women of the WCCW to belong and to be empowered to make decisions about who we will be as a congregation. It's our long-term goal for our congregation to eventually be chartered, and the women have their own leadership council where they make decisions about who we are regularly. 
And we're, we started in January, and we're meeting regularly for worship. Worship is every Saturday evening. The hour before worship is um, Bible study. And then I already have an inside leadership team that's meeting every other week, making decisions and planning worship together. And we are regularly running about 85 women in attendance every week. And as I prepared for this sermon this week, I realized that there's a sort of irony in the prison pastor preaching about justice. Because the reality is that many people believe that their incarceration is just, that justice is happening. They are incarcerated because they did wrong and they deserve to pay for their crime. That's sort of that retributive justice that I talked about earlier. But what I have learned is that for every incarcerated individual, there is a story that is complicated and messy and has no easy answer. The women who are incarcerated are very much a vulnerable population. A high percentage of them are victims of domestic violence, sexual assault. Many are suffering from PTSD and other sorts of mental illness. They're victims of poverty and victims of our justice system. They didn't, many of them did not have good representation in court and often have been accused of something that they are innocent of. Once incarcerated, one is stripped of almost all freedom. Simple choices of when do I wake up in the morning? What kind of job do I want to spend my time doing? What kind of coffee would I like to drink in the morning? Those choices are taken away. Even when they come to worship, they're not able to choose their seat. Rather, each seat is numbered and they have to sit in their assigned chair. They are at the mercy of the Department of Corrections and have little ability to advocate for themselves. Author Brian Stevenson says, the injustice of our incarceration system is that we've allowed fear and distance and anger to shape the way we treat the most vulnerable among us. Our country has the highest incarceration rate in the world and we have become a nation who throws people away without much thought. And we have lost our capacity to be merciful. So today, I am inviting you into the spiritual practice of social justice with Hagar's Community Church. I'm going to give you four ways that you can do this practice um, in my context, but I imagine that these four ways could be applicable to other um, organizations as well. So the first way is proximity to visiting. I invite you to come as a visitor to Hagar's Community Church and encounter Jesus in the walls of the WCCW. Come and experience what Jesus is doing inside the walls of a prison, and I tell you to be prepared to be amazed. I believe that it's my call each week to come and hold space, and then I get to observe the Holy Spirit at work among the women of Hagar's Community Church. So I invite you to come and participate in telling these women that they are indeed much more than their worst mistake, that they are a child of God, holy and beloved, and that they are important enough to be known by you and worthy to belong to a, con a congregation that is theirs. If you're interested in coming as a visitor, I would love to host a group from your church, and I can give you all the details of how to make that happen after worship today. Second, I invite you to welcome the stranger. I invite you to be a congregation that is willing and able to welcome women who are leaving the WCCW and going through the very painful and difficult process of reentry. After incarceration, women are very vulnerable while transitioning to life on the outside. Oftentimes, they have lost connection with family and friends from before their incarceration, and then they are cut off from any friends or community they had while inside of their incarceration. 
They're in, a, they're in culture shock, they're lonely, their world looks different to them through the lens, the world is looking at them through the lens of fear and anger. And because reentry is so difficult, it is during the first three years after incarceration that an individual is most likely to reoffend. So I help, invite you to help change this narrative of women leaving incarceration by being a church that is willing to be a community of support to women who are desperate to be loved and who need a community to offer them friendship and sees them as God-beloved rather than for their worst mistake. I also invite you to partner with Hagar's Community Church through financial partnership. Now, everyone hates to be the visiting pastor that talks about money. It's not a good look, right? But the reality is, is that when supporting a vulnerable population, money is always a part of the conversation. The practice of social justice will always be connected to money and the redistribution of wealth. I believe it's the role of churches that have means and the ability to help other faith communities that do not. And because Hagar's community church is on the inside of a prison, there will never be a way to sustain this congregation through traditional means. So we will always need financial partnerships of fellow congregations and individuals for sustainability. And then finally, I invite you into the practice of advocacy, using your voice that's free and has influence to speak for those who do not have freedom or the ability to speak for themselves. There are many ways to advocate for the women at the WCCW. The facility is um, incredibly overcrowded, and this will only change if enough of us on the outside speak out about it. So after worship, I'll have a table back there, and I have a form letter that um, describes the problem and a, a form letter that's a good um, example of what you could send to your local representative. So if that's something that you're interested in, um, find me in the back and I will give you that letter. And so today I'm going to end with a prayer that my husband wrote for the incarcerated. So I invite you to pray with me. Living God, another one of our sisters was arrested this week, taken away to prison. And while we may not know the full story, we do know that just like us and just like you, Jesus, she is fully human and deserves love, fairness, freedom, and forgiveness, as every human created in your image does. As Christians, it's not our work to condemn, to judge, or to indict our sister, but rather we are called to help Christ's kingdom burst forth on the scene in the here and now. And part of that work is condemning, judging, and indicting the systems of inequality, oppression, and racism that muzzle the voice of liberation naming them as we work to break them in hopes that justice will roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Prison has long been a part of the story of God's people, from Joseph to Samson to the prophet Jeremiah to John the Baptist to Jesus to the apostles Paul, Peter, and John to the first Christian converts who were killed by the Roman state to women like Joan of Arc, to reformers like Martin Luther, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr., and to all the women of Hagar's community church. And we hear the voices of your imprisoned people, Lord, and we pray for them and with them. In your gracious name we pray. Amen. <laughs>